Welcome to TNT Sports Talk. Today is February 21st. As always, we're presented by D's Home Cuts. I'm your host, Travis Karcheski. Just me today. We do not have an interview on the show for you. Um, we do have a couple more interviews coming up that are in the works right now. But because we're recording so early in the morning that we just didn't have time to get them onto the show today. But we will have another interview in the future, so look forward to that. But we are going to start with where we always start um, after football season with basketball. Thursday, it's a Thursday show, so we're going to do the standings update for you. Uh, we're going to go through each standing for the East and Western Conference here. Um, basketball kicks back off tonight. Uh, after the All-Star break, so we're kind of in the last half of the season. So we're going to be doing a couple other storylines that you should be watching for for the rest of the season. But we'll start with the standings. So let's go to the Eastern Conference. Uh, one, Milwaukee. Two, Toronto. Three, Indiana. Four, Boston. Five, Philadelphia. Six, Brooklyn. Seven, Charlotte. Eight, Detroit. And then Miami is right there behind Detroit, I believe. Yeah, they have the same record right now. Detroit has that tiebreaker. Then we'll go to the West, Golden State. Um, they're number one. Denver, Oklahoma City, Portland, Houston, Utah, San Antonio, the Clippers, and then Sacramento right there with the Lakers in the 10th spot. So, like I said, the All-Star break is kicking back, is uh, ending he ended yesterday. We're going to get a couple games tonight. Not a lot, but there is going to be a pretty decent amount of games tonight. So I wanted to do a couple storylines that we will be watching for for the rest of the season. And I think the biggest thing is where will the Lakers end up? So the Lakers have had a couple trouble, a couple problems the last couple of weeks with you know LeBron, Anthony Davis, all these young guys with the Lakers supposedly uh, being tossed around in trade and trade rumors. So it's going to be interesting to see where they end up come um, June and May if they do actually end up making it to the playoffs. I've heard um, that LeBron has switched on to his playoff mode. He said he had to do it a little bit early, which is surprising. So basically what LeBron's Zero Dark 30 thing is, is where he doesn't go on Instagram, he doesn't do anything on, he doesn't post on Instagram or anything on any social media. Uh, he'll go on Instagram, he tries to say he doesn't, but people will catch him liking stuff. But it is going to be another interesting, you know, second half for LeBron. You know, he always runs into these type of dramas come this time of year and uh, they usually get solved he usually gets his way he got his way in Cleveland multiple times but thanks to Dell Demps he actually didn't get his way this time and Anthony Davis isn't on his team and now he's got to deal with the second half of the season with a bunch of guys that know that he wanted to trade them guys like Kuzman and Lonzo don't really um like to be playing with LeBron right now because they know he tried to trade them. I mean, if you were in their position, would you be mad at LeBron too? Because I think we all would. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens for the rest of the season. Uh, another thing is who's going to come out of that East. Um, the East is probably the most talked about thing right now. Who's coming out of there? You look at the team like the Bucks. They've held the first seed for the rest for pretty much the entire season. Uh, the Raptors are right there. Will Indiana keep it up now without Oladipo? They've done it the last couple of weeks, but in the longer haul of the season. And then when we get to the playoffs, are they going to be able to fight through? You know that pretty talented crop of 
teams in the East, you know, and then you got the 76ers. You know, they went all in at the deadline. They traded for Tobias Harris. They still got their rookie, Zaire Smith. He's coming off injury. We still haven't seen a lot of meaningful action from him yet. Uh, Joel Embiid's out for a couple weeks with an injury. So it's going to be something to watch for for the rest of the season. Who comes out of that Eastern Conference? Will the Celtics get it together? That's another thing I wanted to, uh, Make sure you watch for it. Can the Celtics kind of get back to where they were, you know, a couple months ago? The team's falling apart right now. I think that's one of the least talked about storylines in the NBA today is the Celtics and the problems that they're having right now. Because the Celtics, apparently there's a lot of fighting going on in that locker room. I think that comes from Kyrie Irving trying to be a leader, and he's maybe doing it the wrong way. I think he's trying to... Again, this is nothing I've seen. This is just my opinion. I think he's trying to be kind of a LeBron type of leader, kind of a dominant force in the locker room, kind of the alpha dog in the locker room, when I think he's not that. I don't think he has the ability to do that. I think most players in the locker room know that. I think if I was the Celtics, I'd lean more on Brad Stevens and Al Horford to lead that team. But I think Kyrie's going to try to take that leadership role from them. And guys like Tatum and Jalen Brown aren't going to respond to that type of leadership. And you've seen it so far this year. Tatum and Brown have both had pretty bad years, you know, in retrospect to what they've done so far in the NBA. But I expect that the Celtics will put it together. You know, there's just too much talent on this team to not put it all together. But I I don't think they're a serious contender coming out of that Eastern Conference. I think they might make a little noise in the playoffs, but I do not think that they'll end up coming out of the East. Next storyline is Isaiah Thomas and his contribution to the Nuggets. So he came back from injury the other night, Isaiah Thomas, and now he is going to be fully back with the Nuggets coming off the bench. And I want to see what he does. I think he was hurt pretty much all of last year with that hip injury. We saw that when he got shut down with the Lakers. We didn't get to see that much of him coming off of the Lakers bench. But now we get to see him apparently fully healthy the hips are all right we get to see what he can do coming off of the bench last time we saw him fully healthy he was leading the celtics in the playoffs he was an mvp candidate i think he finished top three and he was one of the most talked about players in the nba now you look at a year later not many people talk about isaiah thomas and what he did and what he's doing now he is more of a storyline, a more of a former storyline, more of a, a memory than a present-day uh, storyline in today's NBA, which I think is wrong. I think Isaiah Thomas still has the ability to contribute and contribute at a high level for the Nuggets, but that is something we'll have to see for the rest of the season, watching for the rest of the season. Next thing is the Zion race. Zion Williamson, going to be the number one pick in the draft next year. I think we all know that. I think we all believe that. Who gets him? Who ends up with the number one pick to, to get to draft Zion Wilmanson? It's going to be just a race for crappy, you know, basketball for the next couple of months. Teams like uh, Phoenix, uh, Memphis, the Cavs, the, the Knicks, they're all going to be fighting for that number one pick to get the ability to draft the potential superstar in the making in Zion Wilmanson. Uh, he is definitely the guy teams want. I know there was a little bit of debate at the beginning of the year with him and R.J. Barrett, but it is clear Zion Wilmanson is the guy 
people want with that number one pick, and it's going to be interesting to see who tanks the best for him. You know, the Knicks right now, they have the number one seed. They have the worst record in the NBA. Uh, that number one pick, that number one seed. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see who gets Zion at the end of this year, who gets the who gets the most lottery pick balls, and who gets the ability to draft Zion Wilmerson, a potential franchise-changing type of player. Next thing you want to look for is Dirk and uh Dirk Nowitzki's and Dwayne Wade's last couple of games here. And I expect Vince Carter as well. So three of the game's greats supposedly hanging it up at the end of this year. Uh, you're going to see a lot of emotional type of things. Um, you know, their last couple games. In the uh, stadiums they've played the majority of their careers at, obviously take out Vince Carter with that. Dwayne Wade, they, you know, if they get into the playoffs, he'll be, he is right in the mix with a playoff run this year. Um so you're going to get a little bit more of Wade, I think, than Dirk Nowitzki or Vince Carter. You know, Vince Carter and Dwayne and Dirk Nowitzki are both going to be missing the playoffs this year, so you're not going to see a lot out of them. But you are going to see, you know, their last couple of games. It's going to be emotional for them uh, and for the rest of the NBA guys who've grown up watching them. Seeing them hang it up the last couple of months is going to be tough. And then you want to see that progression out of the rookies. You know, guys like Luka Doncic had a fantastic first half. And uh, even guys who had a pretty mediocre first half, like DeAndre Ayton, the first first overall pick, you're going to see, hopefully you're going to see some progression out of these guys to let you know that the NBA is going to be in good hands within the next couple of years. So that's something we're going to be looking for, some of those storylines for you to be watching for the rest of the season. Uh, The playoff race is going to be heating up. Basketball, to me, really doesn't start until after the all-star break because now things are going to be heating up the races are going to get tighter and all all, basketball just gets more exciting for the next couple months and then we have march madness coming up so the next couple of months with basketball uh it really takes off it kind of fills that void between football and baseball basketball does a good job of doing that so speaking of football we're going to talk a little bit about that we're going to talk about Le'Veon bell Yesterday, the Steelers decided that they're not going to franchise tag Le'Veon Bell. I think we all saw this coming. He had a pretty, um, him and Antonio Brown have had a pretty interesting couple of months. The Steelers fans, I would hate to be them right now because they've just been dealing with it the last couple of months with Le'Veon and Antonio Brown. And we're going to talk about both of those guys today. But yesterday, Le'Veon Bell uh, and the Steelers, I guess, not mutually, uh, I think there is definitely some hostility there. They decided, the Steelers decided not to put the franchise tag onto Le'Veon Bell. Uh, and that is going to uh, make him an unrestricted free agent come in March in a couple of weeks here. Uh, I can't remember when free agency opens. But they're no longer going to be uh, franchise tagging him. He's not going to be tied to the Steelers. And he's going to become, like I said, an unrestricted free agent. Which basically means... Uh, there's no, you know, ropes around him. He can do whatever he wants now. It's his his uh, um, choice to where he wants to go, where he wants to play next year. And he has obviously he's expressed it multiple times that he wants to go somewhere where he can find the absolute biggest contract possible. So teams like the Colts, the Jets, and the Buccaneers can offer him those type of that type of deal. Uh, I think the Jets are going to be 
quite possibly the front runners in this uh, free agency saga with Le- Le'Veon Bell. They need a running back. We all know that. They need some talent around their young quarterback in Sam Darnold. They need uh, a playmaker, frankly, on offense. They need somebody who can take the ball out of Sam Darnold's hands and rush it 25 to 30 times a game and somebody who can you know, catch a check down pass from Sam Darnold out of the backfield. And they have the money to do that. They have the money to pay Le'Veon the way he wants to be paid. And he is, you know, as much hate as Le'Veon does get, uh, I think it's a little bit deserved. I think he was a little bit immature with how he handled the whole situation of, um, you know, his franchise tag last year. He is, with everything aside, he is pure talently one of the best, if not the best, running backs in the NFL. And any team that gets the ability to sign him are going to instantly see that once he gets back. And, yeah, I get it. He's had a whole year off. But that year off is a little bit different than other years off. You know, he's not old. He's still in the prime of his career. He's not, uh, you know, 30 to 35 years old. He's still in the prime of his career. He did take a year off, and he spent that whole year off training and getting ready. Now, obviously, yes, he does have some potential character issues that you are going to be worried about. But once he gets paid, once he gets the contract he feels like he's deserved, I think he'll take off, and I think he's going to want to prove a lot of people wrong. So I think the Jets would be more than willing to sign him, and he's going to have a lot of suitors this year, even though he did have a lot of problems you know, with the Steelers. I think we're seeing... With Antonio Brown, that the Steelers maybe aren't the best organization in the world at keeping their players happy, so I think that's going to play into a factor there. But it is going to be interesting to see where he does end up. The Colts ha- obviously have the biggest um, uh, cap room and the ability to offer the biggest contract to this to the Steelers' former running back, Le'Veon Bell. But I just don't think they're going to want to put a headache in the locker room like that. I think they're going to want to spend that more on the defensive side of the ball rather than the offensive side of the ball. They, they had some success last year with Jordan Wilkins and Marlon Mack. I think they're still looking for that you know, bell cow type of running back. But I could see Le'Veon getting a deal with the Colts as well as with the Jets. And then you throw the Buccaneers there. Bruce Arians is a pretty good um, coach at dealing with these type of you know, superstar caliber players, and they do need a running back there. Ronald Jones, they drafted him early out of USC, and he didn't really work out for them. So they could also use a star running back. But most teams could use a star running back. Just teams aren't willing to pay a guy like Le'Veon Bell that big a deal. I think teams are more apt to drafting or maybe even finding a guy in the undrafted rounds like Philip Lindsley. I think the NFL running back culture has changed. The, over the last couple of months and the last couple of years, I guess you could even say, teams are moving away from that superstar bell cow, those Emmett Smith, LaDainian, Tomlinson type of running backs. And they're transitioning more into, you know, the two to three running back committee uh, type of system right now. You look at, like, um, my first thought that comes to mind is the Packers with Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones and even Ty Montgomery at the beginning of the year. Teams are looking at you know two to three running back committees, and these committees are filled up with guys who are drafted in the later rounds or even undrafted. You know, you know the Philip Lindsley uh, storyline from last year. He became the best running back in the NFL in terms of rushing yards, and he was an undrafted free agent. He was a freaking Pro Bowler 
and he was undrafted uh, of the last year's draft. So you don't need to spend high-caliber draft picks on running backs. I hate when teams do that. Uh, I think when you have somebody like Ezekiel Elliott or Todd Gurley, where it's just a clear, you know, I think, not a cl- like a clear hit on a running back, like a clear superstar in the making, that's when you spend the first-round draft pick. But you don't really want to spend big money on draft picks, big money on running backs early on uh, if you're going to want to win a Super Bowl because it really doesn't work out the way you think it should. But other than that, that's all I wanted to talk about with Le'Veon Bell. Antonio Brown, though, has had another couple of uh, crazy, crazy uh, storylines this past couple offseason. We've talked about it a little bit on this show. Antonio Brown, like I said, he wanted he requested a trade from the Steelers. He did his little tweet on Twitter where he posted a thanks for the memories type of thing, even though he's still with the Steelers. He still has a contract on the books with the Steelers. But I guess he met with the Steelers uh, owner, Art Rooney, the other day, and I guess they have decided to part ways. I don't know what that means because the Steelers still have his contract on the books. They're going to have to trade him if they want to get rid of him. If Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown holds no power here. If he doesn't get traded, the Steelers still have the rights to him. So if the Steelers don't find the deal that they like, they can keep him. They can sort of hold him hostage for the next couple of months. And then on top of all that, he wants to change his nickname from AB to Mr. Big Chest, where I really don't know where that's coming from. So I'm not really sure where he's going to end up, where he's going to play his next couple of seasons. Again, I'd like it to be with the Packers in terms of pure talent. I think Antonio Brown is the best receiver in the NFL. It scares me a little bit to have him you know, potentially working with a young head coach like Matt LaFleur. But still, you don't want to pass up a talent like this. We saw it with Khalil Mack. You really don't want to trade, and you really don't want to um, pass up the opportunity to get a potential superstar uh, not potential, a superstar in the making right now in Antonio Brown. You know, if you trade a first-round draft pick, I don't think people blame you as much because that first-round draft pick, you know, at best-case scenario, you draft a guy who is three-fourths as good as Antonio Brown. And a team like the Packers could really use him. A team like the 49ers could also use him. He's shown um, interest on Twitter and social media, and teams like the Steel, and teams like the uh, Packers, and teams like the 49ers. So we'll see where he ends up. I think this is another situation where a fresh start is going to do him some good. But again, he is still on contract with the Steelers, so I'm not really sure where he's going to end up. But it's definitely something we are going to be watching for for the next couple of months. Something we are going to be watching for in the next couple of weeks, actually is the franchise tag uh, saga that's going to go on in the NFL. So as, as you know, I think franchise tags have gotten a little bit more popular over the past couple uh, of years just because of the high-name guys who have been uh, given the tag. I guess you could say Le'Veon Bell, too. I think he really brought the tag's popularity up. Um, it got fans a little bit more... Uh, uh, what are you looking for? You got fans a little bit more aware of the franchise tag and its abilities. So I was going to go through today and give you know a couple names here. I got about 
I don't know, 10 names here. Talk about guys who could possibly get the tag slapped onto them. Um, so basically, we'll go through with the franchise taggers real quick. There's a bunch of different options with the franchise tag. There's a bunch of different tags, so to speak. Uh, but basically what it is, if you slap this franchise tag on somebody, you are going to uh, pretty much keep them. Uh, you're going to pay them the certain amount of money. It's usually a high amount of money, but you're going to get them for one year. You're going to keep them for one year, and they can't go off in free agency. There's basically no uh, choice for them. They kind of have to go onto the franchise tag unless you are Le'Veon Bell and you decide to sit out. But there are some names here I wanted to talk about, some big names I think uh, are going to get the franchise tag. One of the names I was going to put on this list actually was Landon Collins with the Giants, the safety from the Giants, the Pro Bowl caliber safety for the Giants. But apparently he's not going to be back next year with the Giants. Apparently they're not going to slap the franchise tag on him. And, you know, teams do that. Teams don't put the franchise tag on guys because either, A, they don't have a good enough player that they want to keep to put the franchise tag on, B, it's a lot of money, and C, I think you lose a draft pick if you use the franchise tag. But um, a couple names I want to talk about. Yeah, Landon Collins, like I said, won't be back with the Giants next year. Uh, the whole line, the whole locker saga yesterday went on. Apparently, he cleaned out his locker, but then there were reports that he didn't clean it out all the way. But then Landon Collins said the stuff that he left behind. He actually tweeted us the stuff that he left behind in his locker is stuff he doesn't need and the stuff he doesn't want. So I don't think he's going to end up with the Giants. I think he wants to go to a contender like the Packers, hopefully. But we'll go through about ten or eight to ten of these names. On this list, start with uh, Demarcus Lawrence. Demarcus Lawrence, over the past two years, has easily been one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. We talked to Kendall Lamb, the Texans' offensive lineman, about this, and he definitely said Demarcus Lawrence is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. There's a lot of pass rushers on this list because pass rushers are a hot commodity in today's NFL. I'd say about majority of this list are pass rushers but Demarcus Lawrence is one of the best and the Cowboys have expressed you know a really strong desire to bring him back they need pass rushing they have a lot of young pass rushers and Demarcus Lawrence is easily the best of them and if he hits that open market he is going to command a big check a big payday that I don't think the Cowboys are ready to pay right now so they want to get one more year out of him so they're going to slap this franchise tag on him, I believe. Um, and then hopefully he does the same thing next year. And hopefully they'll have another year to work behind closed doors on an extension. And so they don't have to worry about other teams sort of coming in there and offering more money to Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, but they are going to have to pay Dak Prescott here soon. So they got to watch their money. And they got to pay Ezekiel Elliott here soon as well. Next, you have Jadavian Clowney. Again, another pass rusher, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. He is going to command a big payday on the open market. Former first overall pick, he is going to command a huge payday with whatever team he does sign for. And that's what the Texans know. That's what they've identified. So they're going to try to keep him around, and they are going to do that by slapping the franchise tag on him. Next guy, Grady Jarrett from the Falcons. Jarrett is one of the more underrated players in the NFL. He is different in terms of he is a pass rusher, but he is an inside pass rusher uh, on that defensive line. 
Jarrett made waves in the Super Bowl a couple years ago before he, they started to give up that 28-3 lead. He was a big part of them building up that 28-3 lead. And he is young, and I think the Falcons want to keep that young core intact on that defense. Uh, last year we saw that young core get hurt, a lot of injuries there. And they want to keep that intact, though, for the next couple of years. Uh, I think signing Jarrett to a big deal would be a good idea for them. But for them to work on it, they're going to have to franchise tag him. Again, that's another reason why you use the franchise tag. Because now you're going to have a whole year with the guy, a whole year where you don't have to worry about um, dealing with uh, other teams, you know, bidding for him. You're going to have a whole year of him, you know, playing, another whole year of him playing, and another year where you can spend behind closed doors just you and him talking about a big contract extension. So that's why teams like doing it. Then you have another pass rusher in front, Frank Clark from the Seahawks. Clark has come on as of late. He is not going to command the same amount of money that Lawrence or Clowney will command, but he will command a pretty big deal on the open market, and uh, the Seahawks know that. So again, put the franchise tag on him. D. Ford. Yeah, D. Ford screwed up in the championship game. Yeah, he messed up, but he had a pretty fantastic year when you look at his stats. Again, another outside pass rushing linebacker. D. Ford is going to command a big deal on the open market, so I think the Chiefs will slap a franchise tag on him. C.J. Mosley from the Ravens, inside linebacker, first inside linebacker we've had. Uh, he has been the kind of glue that has held that fantastic Ravens defense together the last couple of years, ever since he came out of Alabama. I highly expect him to get the franchise tag, and I expect him to get it pretty quickly because he has been that leader for the next for the last couple of years with the Ravens. Nick Foles, I think he's going to get franchise tag, the former Super Bowl MVP, and here's why. Not because the Eagles want to keep him, but because they want to franchise tag him and they want to trade him. They want to get some value out of the former Super Bowl MVP, and they're going to get that value. I think a team's going to offer some pretty decent capital uh, to get a Super Bowl MVP You know, leading their team onto the field next year. I think a team like the Dolphins could possibly do that. Uh, and also like the Jaguars or, you know, Redskins. One of those teams I think will pay for a guy like Nick Foles. Because what, what guy, what team wouldn't want to trade, you know, some capital away to get a Super Bowl MVP in that quarterback room? You know, if you're a young uh, quarterback room, if you're going to draft somebody this year, I think having somebody like Nick Foles who has shown that he can produce at high levels and big moments, who has been through it all, I guess you could say, through his career, who wouldn't want to have him in their quarterback room? So he's going to be a potential trade candidate. Uh, Donovan Smith, the left tackle from the Buccaneers, he came out of Penn State a couple years ago, first-round pick, and he has done nothing but impress with the Buccaneers. And they want to keep that line together. They want to keep him together. He is a big deal of keeping quarterbacks healthy. It's very rare to find a good left tackle nowadays. And when you do get your hands on one, you're going to want to keep him for as long as possible. And that's what the Buccaneers are going to do. And then lastly, Trey Flowers with the Patriots. The Patriots aren't known as a team to give away their franchise tag. But they do know a special player when they see it. Again, another inside sort of pass rusher. Uh, I could see the Patriots throwing a franchise tag onto Trey Flowers to keep him around for the next couple of years. Um, 
and I believe he's going to sign an extension here soon, but they're going to try to get a franchise tag on him before then. But that's it for that. Uh, again, if you look at that list, some of the names I went through, these are the names that people are projecting to get franchise tag because you're only going to really tag good players who you think can contribute to your team for the next couple of years. You're not going to tag you know, scrubs or somebody maybe see potential in. You're going to tag potentially um, guys who have produced at high levels and continue to produce at high levels. So watch for that. But as you can see on this list, majority of these guys are pass rushers because pass rushers command big deals on the market because there aren't that many out there. And when you can find a good quality pass rusher, you're going to want to keep him as long as humanly possible uh, so you can make sure that your team uh, keeps producing sacks for the next couple of seasons. Because you saw what happens when you get a dominant pass rusher on your defense with Khalil Mack. It completely changes your defensive identity. It completely changes uh, the, the, the opposing team's offensive approach. And it completely changes almost everything in that way. Uh, so keeping a pass rusher is huge. And uh, teams are more adept to signing big pass rushers to big-time big deals if they expect them to produce even a little bit. But speaking of producing, uh, we're going to talk about baseball in a second here. Uh, but before that, I had to remind you guys about my guy Dom at D's Home Cuts. D's Home Cuts is the best place around Northeast Ohio for a great haircut at a low price. For only $7, D's Home Cuts will provide you with a modern haircut and styling. D's Home Cuts... We've talked about it time and time again on this show. Me, Truman, 90% of the guests that we've had on this show have gotten their haircut at D's uh, at least once or their lifetime customers. And let me tell you, they have never looked or felt better. Every time you go into the shop, you're going to get a professional cut. They get better every single time because he's always upgrading his equipment to give you the best haircut possible. If you're stressing about your haircut, if you don't know what kind of haircut to get, if you don't know the style that works well with your hair, Turn to D's and he'll check you out and he'll make sure to give you the best haircut and the best style for you. It's a personalized experience and Dom really makes sure that he makes you look good at the end of the day. So check him out on Instagram at D's Home Cuts. You can set up an appointment directly in his bio or even shoot him a DM to ask him some questions that you may have. D's Home Cuts, professional haircuts at a low price. So baseball. I got a lot on baseball today. I wanted to kind of go off a little bit. Thursdays are tough on the show because you don't have many storylines to get into due to, uh, you know, it's been a short amount of time in between shows. But baseball, I kind of wanted to go off a little bit. We have a couple storylines. First, obviously, Manny Machado. Uh, we were going, we talked about it on the last show. We talked about Bryce Harper and Thursday's show was going to be kind of a wrap up with Machado, kind of a check in with him. But then later in that day, he signed a 10 year, $300 million deal to go to the San Diego Padres. He's only 26 years old. This is a great deal for the Padres. This is a great deal for Machado. This is a good deal on both sides. I think this is the second $300 million contract ever to happen in the MLB. Uh, it's the largest free agent contract in the history of sports um, because the only other $300 million contract in sports is Clayton Kershaw's, and that was an extension. So he's only 26 years old, so by the time this contract ends, ends he will be 36. So they're going to have him 
pretty much right there in the prime of his career. Uh, and this is a good deal for Manny Machado because the Padres aren't going to aren't a franchise that expects much. The Padres have been this kind of mediocre franchise for the last couple of years. They haven't uh, done much in terms of superstars or playoff experience or even winning games. They're just a team that has just been mediocre for the last couple of years. They've traded away a lot of talent. They've traded away. You know, Every time they get a guy, it seems like they start to trade him away. And they've just been a mediocre team for the last couple of years. Machado is not a mediocre player. This is going to be a interesting experiment for both team, both guys. San Diego is a great city. It's not a great baseball town, but I think with a guy like Machado coming there, I think fans will start to come to the park a little bit more. I think Machado will develop easily into whatever position he wants to there. I think he's got them sort of by the horns there. He can kind of do whatever he wants. He can kind of control where he wants to go from here. Uh, but this is a good deal for both of them because, again, he's only 26. He's going to be in the prime of his career during this deal. He's going to be – I think he'll win two to three MVPs during this run, this contract run. Uh, and then you got Hosmer there as well. Hosmer is, is an all-star caliber first baseman. So that infield is starting to shape up. That outfield with Will Myers – was an all-star a couple years ago, is starting to shape up. And then they have, I believe, they have the most top 100 prospects of any team. So they do have the capital, and they do have the assets to become a potential contender three to four years, I guess you could say, down the road. So it's a good deal for both of them. Now you look at a team like the White Sox, and they missed out big time with Manny Machado. They traded for Alonzo. They signed a lot of guys who were close to Manny Machado. So where do they go from here? I'm not so sure. I think they fully expected Manny Machado to end up with them. He didn't, and that's their loss, and now they're going to be stuck in you know this sort of post-Machado uh post Machado uh, run the next couple of years. They're still going to try to build through through Kopeck and Makata. Uh, and they do have a couple other prospects. So it's going to be a couple more years for the White Sox to contend. And I think they're going to be motivated now to sort of you know, show Machado that he missed out. But again, this is a good deal for everybody. I think San Diego now can sort of come back out of uh, the shadows and become a big-time baseball franchise once again because in my lifetime the Padres have always been bad they've always been a poor team and now you know this is an opportunity for them I think they've been in the best position they've been in the last couple years to come out of that mediocrity and progress as a franchise and become better and I think a guy like Manny Machado is the perfect player to help you do that so that's Manny Machado to the Padres great deal I love it uh, let's talk a little Indians though right now. So the Indians are kind of in the limelight right now, I guess you could say, because of one guy, and that's Trevor Bauer. Uh, the new Sports Illustrator article came about, out about him. He's had a couple articles written about him. Um, as many of you know, Trevor Bauer is one of my favorite players, if not my favorite player uh, in baseball right now. And this article sort of 
made me harden down on that point even more. I love Trevor Bauer, but he's had a couple articles written about him. And this article, you know, it had some things in it that sort of shocked me, but not like insane like most people have been shocked by this article. I've, I've retweeted it onto uh, uh, the TNT Sports Talk Twitter if you want to check it out. Uh, but we'll basically go through a quick rundown of it right now. Um, so Trevor Bauer, as you know, is one of the most interesting characters in baseball. He is sort of the Bryson DeChambeau of baseball, which where he takes baseball into more of a sciency aspect. He doesn't rely much on, um, you know, brute force, brute training, you know, working like this, work, working extremely hard um, to be better. He takes more of a science approach to it. Not to say he doesn't work hard, but he does... He works smarter, not harder, I guess you could say. And it starts the article off with him learning a new pitch. He's trying to learn a changeup this year. Uh, his curveball is his best pitch, but he's trying to learn a changeup this year. And he's doing that by using these electrodes, which he sticks to his brain um, at his gym in, in Washington, this driveline baseball gym. And he's using it to try to kind of learn that changeup. I don't really know how it works. But then it goes into his whole life and his whole career. And basically what he said was his whole baseball career has been people, you know, the successes he's had are pretty much because of him. And the reasons why he's failed, the reasons why things didn't work out, you know, in Arizona or the first couple years with the uh, Cleveland Indians is because people tried to change him. People tried to mold him into this certain mold of how a baseball player should be, and he just isn't that type of player. And when the Indians kind of got out of his way, he started to kind of progress as a player even more. And, you know, he likes to do his little routines. He likes to do these science-y type of things. And he said those type of routines have often gotten him into trouble over his career because of guys like Garrett Cole, which was... One of the more interesting parts of the article, I think people gloss over that, his relationship with Garrett Cole. They both went to UCLA. They both played baseball at UCLA. Um, Garrett Cole went number one in the draft. Trevor Bauer went number three. But basically, what happened was Garrett Cole reamed out Trevor Bauer the first couple of months they were at UCLA because Trevor Bauer was allowed, the UCLA guys, the UCLA uh, manager allowed Trevor Bauer to do his sciency workouts um, apart from the team. He didn't have to do the regular workouts with the team. He did his own type of workouts. And Garrett Cole didn't like that because I guess Garrett Cole assumed he wouldn't be, um, he wasn't working as hard as they were. But uh, they got in a huge fight over that, and they didn't talk the whole season. They played together, uh, and they still don't talk that much now. But Jace, basically what this article showed me is Trevor Bauer just doesn't give uh, two craps about anybody or anything. He does his own thing. Uh, his things with the biggest quotable uh, thing that came out of this article was his thoughts on relationships with girls and um, stuff like that. He said he has three rules for relationships. Uh, one of them was you can't develop feelings for him. If he develops feelings for you, he's going to break it off. Or if you develop feelings for him, he's going to break it off. Two, he doesn't like social media pictures. He doesn't like being posted about on social media. And then three, he's allowed to sleep with other people. And if he's, if you have a problem with that, you can just break it off with him. He says he doesn't believe he's going to get married. He doesn't want children. Um, and he also said he doesn't want to sign long-term deals with any team. 
and he believes that the Indians won't bring him back within the next couple of years once his contract runs out because he doesn't want to sign long-term deals. He wants to sign short-term big money deals like a one-year $30 million deals, and he believes that's going to make him more money over his career. He actually said that he has a bet with one of his uh, trainers at Driveline that if he does sign a long-term deal, he's allowed to get shot with a paintball gun. So obviously, Trevor Bowers has been a weird guy, but I like that about him. I like his, you know, don't give a shit attitude and I like how he kind of does his own thing. He doesn't worry about what others think of him. He likes getting people mad. He likes being the sort of heel uh, of Major League Baseball. Does that wrong? Rub wrong? Rub people the wrong way? Sure, I think that's what it's meant to do. But he is playing well. And he would have won the Cy Young last year if it wasn't for that injury versus the White Sox. And he's just... I, I just think... You know, at the end of the day, he is a good pitcher. He is an interesting pitcher. The way he's sort of revolutionized, the way he's going about it, he's revolutionizing the way pitchers throw the baseball. And I think a lot of younger guys, a lot of younger pitchers who want to make it to the MLB should look at Trevor Bauer and study him because he is not a remarkable athlete. He even said he's one of the most unathletic guys in professional sports, but he just looks at things a certain way that other guys don't, and that's what makes him succeed. He, He's always claimed, in the article he even said, that he was made fun of a lot as a kid because he was unathletic, and he just dedicated his whole life to trying to learn how to throw a baseball the right way. And, you know, he studies physics and all this stuff, and he was a nerd in high school, and he doesn't smoke, he doesn't drink, he doesn't, he's never gotten drunk, he doesn't do drugs, and he's just... I just love him. I, I don't know. I just find this stuff so interesting. I could talk about that for an hour. I'd love to have you know some people on to talk about him a little bit more, um, because I'd like to get another th- you know viewpoint on this, another thought about what people think of Trevor Bauer. But I just I don't know. I think it's interesting. But staying staying with the Indians, they signed Tyler Clippard yesterday uh, to a $1.75 million deal. Now, that's contingent upon him making the Major League Ball Club. Um, but this is a good, good addition to the Indians' bullpen. I think he instantly becomes a solid piece for them. He had a 3.6 ERA over 73 appearances last year. Now, he's not the former All-Star that we all know Tyler Clippard as. He's not going to go out there and completely shut people down like he has in the past, but he's going to give you a lot of good innings. I think he'll become that Brian Shaw that Francona relied on for the first couple of years in Cleveland, that sort of workhorse guy uh, for him. And you know, 73 appearances is a lot for a relief pitcher. So I think he's going to become that. And that's why I think I wanted to – we're running out of time – I wanted to kind of go off a little bit about the Indians and why they won't be that bad next year, but maybe we'll do that another time because uh, we are running a little bit long today. But uh, it's gonna after Saturday's game, we're gonna have open up spring training on Saturday. It's gonna be on TV. I'm so excited for that. Gonna get to see Adam Plutko get another start. He's gonna open it up for the Indians uh, on Saturday. Uh, I really wanted to talk about some of this, but I have to end the show. I have to wrap it up today. Uh, so we thank you for listening. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to get into it, you know, next week, why the Indians won't be as bad as you think. Uh, but that's it for our show. We want to thank you to our sponsors, D's Home Cuts. We also ask that you go into iTunes, give us five stars, rate, review us, and subscribe. 
Follow us also on Spotify. You can find us on Twitter at TNT Sports Talk 12. Send us questions, comments, concerns. Uh, if you want to be a guest on the show, whatever you have, send us a DM on that. Uh, listen to us tomorrow on 12OunceSports.com from 7 to 8 p.m. Find us also on GrandOldSports.com and YouTube, TNT Sports Talk. Check it out. Uh, but that's it for our show today. We want to thank you for listening. Tune in on Tuesday. We should have another interview for you on Tuesday. Um, don't book me on that, but just in case that just in case that falls through. But uh, tune in on Thursday. Tune in on Monday to the Twitter to find out if we do have an interview or not. Uh, but that's it for the show today. Uh, enjoy your weekend and have a great day, and I'll see you on Tuesday. Thanks, guys.